to the Gosnells Live at Five podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm the founder here at Gosnells. I'm Will, I'm the head brewer here at Gosnells. I'm James, and I make the meat. This is our informal podcast, which we're spinning out from our Instagram live sessions. We do these every Friday live at five, and we'll be talking about honey, fermentation, and of course what we're here for, the meat. We'll also be joined from time to time by some very special guests to talk about booze more generally. If you haven't already, guys, hit that subscribe button to our podcast, whatever medium you're on. Uh, leave us a review. Follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Gosnells Me. Perfect. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey. Hi, guys. How's it going? Um, it's just me tonight, actually. So um, you'll have to make do. Uh, but as always with me, you get my unfettered access to my banal chat for the first 10 minutes excitingly we are being joined by sam bolton um, who some of you may know used to run vanguard bar up in birmingham and that's um, an all mead bar um, it's, he's got a new project now but that were around for a couple of years and so really excited to be talking to sam about that um, just check we are actually live it's always a always a little bit worried yep we are good um, so we are what have we been up to today so normally i'm ably assisted by Will. I say assisted by Will. Will does the lion's share of this and I just kind of nod along. So unfortunately I've had to do some work today. Um, this has been a big week. I guess we've had the, the announcement from Boris on Tuesday about the roadmap to reopen and that means things for us as well. So we are looking to change up um, what we're doing here and uh, open up outside again like we did last summer so hopefully the plan is from the 12th of april you will be able to come and drink some mead outside in the sun which is pretty exciting um wow it's exciting for us anyway for those of you don't know we're based down in peckham and we've got a really big yard a really big yard a pretty big yard out the front so lots of room for outside drinking and got a bit of food coming and that kind of stuff so it's exciting uh, it's exciting to feel like things are at least a little bit beginning to turn back to normal. Guys, as always, if you've got any questions, um, then type them in the box below the uh, my image, uh, and I'll endeavour to answer them. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned tonight, we're joined by Sam uh, from the Vanguard. Uh, he'll be talking a little bit more about cocktails and that kind of thing. Um, Will, I can see you're online despite having a day off. So, Will, if you if you feel like you want to ask a question just see what you can do um it's friday so i should probably be having a drink um i uh i've just smashed a load of tea so i am definitely in the mood for a friday drink now um and this week we've been canning the plantain and blueberry um now this is pretty cool um the this is a, another brewery project and so they're gonna shoot me if i get this wrong but obviously it's maybe plantain and blueberries i think there's a story on it on our um on our Instagram talking about how we made it and basically um, took some plantains uh, which you can get almost anywhere on Rye Lane uh, very popular around here Um, and then they were baked in the oven and then caramelised a little bit with a torch and then they went into the barrel to ferment Um, and we fermented this one to five and a half percent yeah that's right Um, a lot and then towards the end of the fermentation is when we started to add some of the blueberries and the plantains so it was all fermented in barrel um, and then at the end we made some additions we pasteurized it and we put it into 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 a can so there we go and guys if you are part of our small match program uh you'll be receiving this either today or tomorrow i did all the local deliveries today so you will have seen me in my very fetching leopard print mask 
face mask, nothing else. Um, delivering that rounds uh, all round Peckham. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. What, what does this taste like? This is very bizarre not having my co-host here today, but we will, we will, we'll, we'll persevere. Uh, um, so we got some highs. Hi Sam, how's it going? Um, nice to see you tuning in. Um, if you have any questions, then do toss them in the uh, comment section below, and I will I will answer them. So yeah, so this is the plantain and blueberry mead, and this is really cool. So it's a little bit light lighter than some of the other meats in the month oh sorry some of the other small batches we've been doing and it's five and a half percent you get some of the plantains that if you're not familiar with plantains it's a i'm gonna get this wrong but it's essentially it's a very similar to planter of, of fruit to a banana uh so it's a bigger banana with a lot more savory a lot less sweet uh so that gives you some of the sort of background notes and mouthfeel and as you sort of step through you've got some of the maple syrup coming through and also, it's really cool, some of the blueberries just to liven up in the end. As I mentioned, this has been barrel aged, so or barrel fermented rather. So it is, um, get some of that woody characteristic. And actually the, the barrel this was fermented in was a, an ex-bourbon barrel. So that gives you some of the, those kind of characteristics, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, oh, that's delicious on a Friday. It's really cool because there's like several different notes of flavor you can pick through that. Um, so you, obviously you kind of get all those flavors I mentioned, but you're kind of on a little bit of a journey there, which is really cool. Um, what else have we been up to this week? Um, we have been, I guess, making plans for the summer. It feels like this week we've been able to, I know obviously the roadmap for coming out of lockdown is not necessarily cast in stone. Oh, I mean, it's not cast in stone at all, but it, it's good to at least have a, a structure, a framework for a plan so we can kind of work ourselves out of this. At least we kind of know the order of things that are going to open up in. Uh, sorry, the, thing, the order of things, the order that things are going to open up in. Sorry, it's a long week. Uh, and then we can kind of start to plan around that. So we've got lots of exciting things coming up. And uh, generally, it feels like the, the mood is certainly in the industry or in uh, mead, the mead industry is perking up a little bit, which is really exciting. Worth saying, so there's a little bit of a, a change of schedule. So we, we were expected to be joined by the guys from Moonshine Meadery. Fortunately, they had some um, issues which meant they couldn't come along. So uh, we have, luckily, Sam, Sam was waiting in the wings to come along. Uh, I can see Sam's just joined. So um, whenever uh, we're, we're kind of ready, I think, we can start getting into it with Sam. Um, I'm just going to jump up and invite him on. So because I don't have any production uh, assistance today. Sam, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Good. Right. It's always a little bit temperamental, this, so I'd just like to check. How are you? How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good today. We're just uh, finishing up at the, the, the um, bar today. We've started a new project, so we've been distilling all day. So it's, um, it's been a day of nothing but note-taking and temperature checking and making sure we know what we're doing. Oh, cool. What, what are you distilling? Uh, we're launching our own gin brand from, from the uh, bar and restaurant that we've got here. So uh, it's going to be just a small local gin brand called BHX Gin. Cool. And, uh, but yeah, we're hoping to... Distilling's new to us, so we're we're just kind of practicing, learning the ropes, and figuring out what it is. But we're really happy with where where we're at at the moment. Oh, nice one! What are you drinking at the moment, Sam? Have you cracked open one yet, or are you just cocked off? Ah. 
that, that's a good point. I have, I, I'm just about to go grab something because I remember thinking just before we started, I should probably get something for this because we could be here for a while. Um, but there are, I had well, so Sam, we, we, try and, we, we try and keep it to about 40 minutes. A, so, uh, so don't worry too much. Well, I've got a Boozy Bees Mead. So oh, nice. That's, no, I've heard of them. Um, are they, they're very reasonably local to you guys. Yeah, so they're they're based in Solihull, uh, which is a small oh, area nice. just outside of the Birmingham city centre. Uh, really, really beautiful area, actually. Um, and yeah, they're really, really great guys. Um, there's two of them. Um, the media is called DK Media, which is Dimitri and Kirill. Um, really, really nice guys. They actually used to drink in our old bar back when they were homebrewers before they became oh, nice. distillers. Uh, before they became brewers. Oh, that's really cool. So, Sam, do you want to start off, sorry, taking it back to the beginning, how did you get first come across mead and how did you get into it? Um, so the first time I ever came across it was, so I used to, um, just after university, I lived in Newcastle and they have uh, Linda's Farms quite, you know, prevalent up there because of the location. And oh, yeah. It was just something that I remember picking up. So there's a, a department store in Newcastle called Phoenix. And at the time, yeah. that, that was one of the best places to, to find alcohol um, that wasn't, you know, your mainstream run-of-the-mill stuff because although, it, although the UK is quite small, they still don't seem to get the, the wholesale that the rest of the UK does. So getting in, interest in new stuff just wasn't that often. So this department store had a fairly good selection. I remember going through um, and Linda's Farm was just one of the bottles that I'd never really seen before. I'd heard of mead. Um, so I just picked it up. Um, didn't expect anything really i just thought it'd be interesting it was fairly cheap um so yeah picked it up and tried it thought it was all right um didn't really know what to expect so just thought it was okay and then just started adding it into cocktails yeah mostly at the time if i'm honest was because it was cheap and it meant that yeah. we could use you know other expensive products and still hit the price point you know the kind of you know newcastle's known for its party life and therefore a lot of the bars that you're in you know you have cheap drinks so trying to make good quality cocktails but you know and still keeping to a really small gross profit was was hard so uh, yeah so, so how are you using it we're you using it as like a source of sweetness i guess just to kind of balance things out yeah so we used it yeah kind of almost like you would a liqueur probably is probably the best point but obviously because it doesn't add as punchy of flavor um it, it, you didn't ever they didn't taste honeyed in any kind of way so um at the time we were just using it to kind of like help bring our price down but still add something to the drink even though it wasn't yeah. much um and that just kind of grew um if i'm honest the real reason that i got into mead um was because my so the bar that i used to own up until last year uh, the vanguard which is the uh, the first cocktail bar and meter in the uk that was um our it was kind of an accumulation of loads of different reasons. So at the time, our landlord was um, the building owner who also owned a bar on the bottom floor. And yeah. unfortunately, because they also owned a bar, they were very, very concerned that we would in some way steal their um, business. So they put really weird restrictions on us saying, like, we couldn't sell any beer or wine because they were craft beer and wine um, wholesaler. Uh, uh, sorry, um and wholesale specialist um, yeah and so because of that we just kind of we had to think of a reason to talk to our customer because we, we were cocktail bar first and foremost 
and that was always the plan. But we had to find a way of justifying to our customers why we didn't sell beer and wine without kind of, I didn't want to throw the landlord under the bus and be like, they wouldn't let us. I just think yeah. that, was, that didn't sound right to the customer. And at the end of the day, they were there for cocktails, but sometimes you do just want a beer. So um, yeah. it was actually, um, I came across your, at the time, which your, um, your London mead in the, oh, when, yeah. when you bottled in 330s. Um, and the reason oh, that's, that's some time ago then. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I came across that was because, um, I was working for Harvey Nichols as the bar manager for their new site in Birmingham at the time. And I had to come on because of my, I had to come on later than they planned. So they got an external, um, manager to write the, the menu and he'd use just just what he wrote as as um spice mead and at yeah. the time the only company i knew was linda's farm so i contacted them nothing so i ended up calling up every local um like alcohol um retailer that i could find saying do you have any mead and the only one that was stuck in any of them was yours was your london and um so i went down and i was looking at it and being like this looks nothing like what i what i've known before like she didn't, yeah. have, didn't have a clue what it was um, and I remember opening it and me and my dad um, just really, really enjoyed it. And so, you know, I, the way I used to describe it, it was like the Greek yogurt of alcohol to me at the time because it was just so creamy and honey and I just really yeah, loved it. Yeah. So um, when it came to opening the Vanguard, it was like I'd known of your stuff. I knew of Linda's fun. I was like, well, there's obviously more like Linda's fun. There's, at the time, I was like, there must be more like this as well. So I was like, maybe that we go with this to our customers and then when somebody asks for a beer we say we don't do it because we want to we want you to experience this stuff um and that was kind of the the, the birth of the idea of, of, of the meadery was was just to you know encourage the customers because we couldn't sell them beer and wine to give them other options and that was kind of where it all started and then it just grew and grew and grew and kind of got out of hand yeah, cool. So you were doing, so basically you're doing a, a full range of, you know, some meads by the glass and then a lot of mead cocktails. Is that right? So we started off, I'm fully honest, at the time I thought, you know, we'd do that mead thing. I thought nobody would get it. I thought we'd probably set, like have some on the menu. We'd probably sell two, three a week to a couple of like random people. And I honestly thought within six months, we'd have just not talked about it. And it just, yeah. it, I was completely wrong. Um, it did start slower. Like, you know, at this point, nobody knew what mead was at all. And it just grew and grew. And we started off, I think we had uh, the entirety of your range. And we had about four um, lime bays. And that was all we had. And I, I, I said to the, my staff at the time, I was like, I doubt this will have any interest. So I taught them what it was. We spoke about it a bit, but it was just completely wrong. All the marketing that went out was all about mead. Nobody cared yeah. about the award-winning cocktails that we had planned. Nobody cared about any of that. It was just all the press was on mead. And I was like, okay, maybe this will be a bigger deal than I thought. And it just grew to the point, yeah, where, like you said, we ended up having, I think, probably about 25 different meads at the time, maybe even maybe even closer to 30. And like about 50 to 60% of our entire cocktail menu ended up having mead in it. Um, That's really cool. And like I said, that started off from, I think we had six, seven meads, maybe, maybe eight when we opened. And I think I had one cocktail on the menu with mead in because I just thought no one's going to care. And I was just completely wrong. We were overwhelmed from the get-go, really. And how, and how, I guess, how did you evolve that range? I mean, I guess 
you are there basically how many more meteries did you did you see crop up during that time do you think needs coming back like how do you feel like the mead industry in the uk is going yeah so i mean it's definitely growing like quite a lot like, on quite a quick scale i think like in the two and a half years since um we opened the the, the cups of our meadery i mean there must be about eight new mead brands that are coming up and not even just people that are coming up but producers that have kind of completely revamped what they were doing like i was saying for instance you guys obviously started off with just you know the one or two i think it was three in bottle when i first discovered you guys and now look at the size of the range so um i think the producers are slowly growing but the producers that are already there are also reinvigorating what they've got to kind of change to what is looks like a new market that's that's really cool and if you wanted had to name check some some of those new meteries like what what should we be looking out for who's who's doing really good stuff at the moment uh i really like the guys at y valley um i think their meads are really i saw that sort of crop up earlier yeah oh yeah um and i also um maraud stuff's pretty interesting um i quite like them um rookie meadery although these guys aren't necessarily new as a such i think some of them have been around a, a, a fair bit now but um they're still ones that i think are definitely worth the shout out yeah definitely so i think we we did a live with the guys from y valley last year still haven't managed to get out there because of the restrictions that we were saying earlier um but uh yeah looking forward to getting, seeing them and i went to see um william at maraud uh last summer which is really cool he's actually making some banging white uh, sparkling wine as well yeah so they've got I've, a, been, um, I've been saying for a while i'll go down and every, i think every time me and him talk we end up talking for about 10 minutes about mead and then the rest of it's about wine and, and other stuff yeah it's a really cool setup he's got down there because he does just the wine he's also got a little distillery there as well i think so he does some gin um does a cider it's a it's a nice place yeah um, so tell me about these cocktails then. So, uh, you know, give me a, a cup. What are your, what are you, what's your favorite way to use mead in a cocktail? So it took us a while, if I'm honest, to kind of figure that out because like mead, one, every single one's different. So the way we ended up going about it was there was two processes. There was, do we think this will fit into a drink? And if so, how? So we take, for instance, a... Uh, I don't know. So um, the Rookery Silver Birch Mead. Uh, it's one of my personal favorites. I think it's really well balanced, really light. But and that, but the thing is, because it's really light, it wasn't something that we were like, wow, that's going to add tons of punch into a drink. So, so just talk me through what that mead is, Sam, just, just for the benefit of people listening. So uh, it's a still mead, about 18%, that he infuses with um, silver birch um, bark. I believe. Oh, so nice. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's how he makes it. Or I'm not sure if it's that or silver birch water that he that he uses the length in an age. But silver birch is a, a tree. It's the bark of a tree that is um, yeah. common. So it's got quite a light flavour, but the balance on the mead, like if you didn't know it was flavoured with silver birch, you would just think it was a normal mead. Um, right. But it's that really light, subtle flavour that I really like about it. So that, for instance, um, to be used in a cocktail, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want it as the key ingredient because it's so light on its own. So we would take that and put that something more, we'd probably take the bones of a classic cocktail 
find one that would fit a lighter profile and then add that into it. So that was one way that we found to make mead was to kind of take a classic drink that already has quite light flavors, take out what we can and then replace that with the mead. Um, yeah. And we found that worked really well for certain drinks. Um, and then on the opposite side of that, We'd have a mead normally that's got a big punch of flavour. So um, Affen Mal's uh, Heather's a really good example of something that's just really strong. Uh, is the yeah. Heather, Heather mead. And that one we found really good. That could hold its own and be the showcase of a drink. Um, so we, we normally look at it like that, like, is it strong enough to be the backbone of a drink or is it the opposite where it's yes. quite light? This and be it complemented, yeah. Yeah, it needs to, you know, complement whatever else is in there. Um, that being said, there was a couple of times where they crossed over. Um, for instance, we did a um, sparkling one uh, using one of your sparkling meads where we did a pina uh, mida colada, we called it. And it was basically nice. a regular pina colada that we just topped with sparkling mead. Um, and we had to get the balance right on the base alcohol. But um, yeah. there was occasions where we did just fun stuff like that. And obviously customers really enjoyed stuff like that because it was, um, it was a really easy way for them to understand it because they know what a pina colada is. They, they, it was kind of, um, it was familiar to them. And that was a really good way that we found to introduce them to try in mead without kind of stepping their toes into having something really heavy or just a glass of mead because sometimes customers didn't trust to do that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess what kind of people did you find were coming in to drink the mead? Or were they coming in mainly just for the cocktail and the bar atmosphere and then they experienced the mead? Or were people coming there specifically to seek out mead? I think it started off as, like, our reputation grew predominantly because we're a meadery, but we're a cocktail bar. So a lot of people would come in and go, oh, you're the meadery, and then proceed to not touch mead all evening. And yeah. I think as time grew and customers started to really understand who we are, because obviously you're, with any new business, um, you know, you have to kind of find your customer and find how to talk to them and engage with them. And some, you know, especially in the, the beginning, you know, you don't, you know, people don't know what to expect. So you kind of get the, I don't know, don't want to say the wrong customer, but customers who aren't going to be with you for a while. Um, yeah, they're not so, initially, I think, quite fit with the, yeah, the concept. So, yeah, it so, took us quite a while to kind of discern who our drinkers were and for them to find us as well. Um, and I think, like, demographically, it was really mixed. Like, we, I'd say it started off with predominantly men between kind of, like, 35 and 45, which kind of makes sense when you think of, like, the Viking connotations that meat carries and, and what yeah. people expect you to be drinking. But then we found as time went on that it just completely changed. And I think a large portion of who we ended up um, entertaining with mead ended up being kind of couples. And they tend to be kind of, to, like, around about the age of 30. And I think that was because they were a bit more experienced with drinking, so they were more willing to try new things. You know, they weren't, you know, 18. Other, there was always exceptions to this. There was, you know, there was a lot of times we had quite young clientele who just turned 18, ready to start drinking mead. Um, but yeah, I think predominantly, and I think that was coupled with one, the kind of atmosphere we were, because we were a very small, intimate bar. Like, I, you never made it to the bar, did you? Uh, no, I've met what, all my list of things to do, but just never quite got there. That's fine. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it was quite intimate and small bar. So I think that kind of helped. Like, we had a lot of couples. Like, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night, it would be predominantly couples um, with a yeah. couple of large groups. Uh, and I think so that obviously paired well with um, their kind of experience. You tend to find that one or two of them would want to try it. And um, so we did. So we introduced tasting boards. Uh, and that tended to be one of the great ways of, of getting that across. So we had four 
um, meads on each board. So we had the beginners, the um, I can't remember. We had the beginners, the connoisseurs, and then we had the weird and wonderful board. And one, what we found was that was really good because although it was the same price to buy a glass of mead as it was to buy a board of four different samples, um, that kind of idea of trying, I think, changed it in their minds from saying, oh, because I think there was that fear of wasting, you know, six, seven pounds on a glass of something. Yeah. Versus if you're paying nine pounds for a tasting, you, you're getting a more of an experience. So it seemed more worthwhile to customers. Um, so yeah. with each of them, they got four meads and we kind of tutored them through it. And I think that worked really well for couples because the way we saw it in house, if they weren't drinking mead, it was an easy upsell to be like, why don't you try this? It's a couple pounds ahead. Um, and that kind of engage them to go, do you know what? We may as well, like, because I think they- Yeah, and it's an activity to do and to share and yeah, to do something they, new. They and- sharing more of an experience. And, uh, you know, I, we used to say all the time, like, where else are you going to get to try mead? And, yeah. and that was always kind of the one of the lines where they went, yeah, that's a good point. Like, we may as well while we're here. Like, like when you go to abroad and, you know, you want to indulge in the local food, like you kind of think, well, I'm never going to get to do this again. And I think that was one of the reasons. And then after that, it became from them thinking, when are we ever going to get to do this again? It turned into, where can we get this again? And they were asking questions of, can they buy it online? Can they um, drink it in other bars and so oh. on? And uh, so that that brings me on. So you then you then set, went on to set up your own mead brand, right? So the the modern mead company is that right? Yeah. So um, just before that, we so the kind of the reason that we decided to expand from the bar was one because we had a big bulk of customers who clearly enjoyed it and wanted it, and you know even with the the plentiful amount of mead producers we just spoke about earlier, like there's still so much kind of room for more. Uh, yeah. And the one thing that we were finding was Mead Online. There wasn't really anywhere that you could find large amounts um, or large selections. I think the best I found was Amazon, and that didn't have much. And then, you know, Master of Malt and the likes had listings, but they were either discontinued or old companies, or there was a lot of the run-of-the-mill stuff that you saw everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's where we born the idea of the Mead Boutique. And the idea was to kind of lift the veil off of um, mead and, you know, talk more directly. Because at the time, um, a couple of years ago, people still weren't really talking about the kind of honey they used and why they used it. Like you'll probably, you know, you were one of the first people, I think, to kind of openly talk about how you were doing and what you were doing and kind of wave a flag. So we yeah. kind of wanted to also do that by giving the information to the customer. So you could go on, buy a bottle and also get any information you wanted so we did like um so all of our meads or most of them have like a 60 second review that tells you just really snip it on who it is who it's made by what it is and, and kind of how to drink it um and then that stemmed on after that to wanting to create our own brand uh something that, that we could kind of shout about both on site and online um and that's when the modern mead co kind of was born How's that been going? I mean, my my memory is awful for how long ago things happened. So we started it, I think, so it would have been very early in 2019, I think, or very or okay, late, yeah. late 2018. I kind of, I'm fuzzy on it as well. Um, and we kind of left it for the first year to just see how it went. Um, we sent samples out to the obvious folk in the industry and kind of thought, what do we want to do and, and how do, you know, we kind of wanted to see where it 
naturally fell into before we started to push it in the way that we wanted. Um, yeah. And they kind of, the depressing thing I think really is kind of towards the end of that first year. So um, in early 2020, I was uh, on holiday with my business partner, uh, and my, who's my best friend. We were on holiday together. And one of the reasons we'd gone away was because we both wanted to go on holiday. But one of the other reasons was um, he lives in a different uh, city and we never get to see each other. So we, we kind of, everything's done by phone. Everything's done, you know, when he's finished his working day and I've, I'm normally working at the bar. So we kind of struggled to get, you know, solid time together. So we were just like, well, let's go away together and let's plan out, you know, what we're going to do with, you know, the, at the bar and at the time and what we want to do with the modern Miko and our online. So we kind of, I would like to say business trip, but it was a holiday first and then, yeah, and then yeah. a trip to, for us to spend time and discuss. And whilst we were on holiday in Canada, um, that's when the coronavirus kind of really took hold. So as unfortunate as it is to say, we were kind of really gearing up to take 2020 on as our big year. And then the kind of, you know, everything that happened has kind of prolonged kind of where we want to go. But I think what that has done um, is gave us more clarity on where we want to go and what we want to do with the brand. Um, yeah. Kind of where, where we do and don't want to um, kind of progress. So I think now that we're, we're probably, uh, we're just almost two years now, I think, old. Um, last year, I'd say it was a bit of a write-off because we had obviously the virus and then we also had our new business open, our um our bar and restaurant that's open. So yeah. those kind of took priority. Um, that being said, though, in that time, we have kind of naturally fell into more producers. People have kind of contacted us to stock it. So it's um, it's been slowly growing kind of whilst we've been focusing on other things. And I think we've, now that we've got a much bigger team to kind of work on it, we kind of have got a, a better understanding of how we want to take it forward. Sure. Any sneak peeks or speak uh, sneak peeks on where you're going with that? Or? Um, I think the one thing that I've really learned about the industry as a whole is um, you have to be very clear about who you're selling to. Um, you can't create just like an overarching, you know, like in the gin world, you just say like you can't just create a gin. Like you've got a, there's a reason that there's so many brands out there because they quite target specific people. And I think that's one thing that we kind of really want to get into is figuring out. Yes, because mead has such a wide variety of, of people that enjoy it. How can we create individual kind of, whether it's um, individual expressions or whether or not we branch out into another kind of style of brand where we target different people. So I think without giving too much, I think we the plan will be to change our marketing tactic to rather from a generalistic kind of tactic to, to a bit more to, specific yeah it's targeting more specific. A niche. so yeah. trying to talk about the things that we, we really want to talk about and target the people that we think are really going to enjoy what we want to show off yeah it sounds cool uh, and uh, it, <laughs> sorry is the product going to stay the same sort of what was it a 12 percent medium dry kind of uh, so it's 40 no sorry it's 10 percent um completely um, wrong then yeah it's a 10 percent methylene at the moment so it's quite lightly spiced um, right and the 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 original expression will, will stay as is um because i'm really happy with the the outcome of the liquid um i think it just perfectly fits an introductory mead um i wouldn't say it was something that if you're you know if you've been drinking mead forever that it might be if you like sweet meads and you like kind of 
you know, if you like spiced meads, it's probably, it's very lightly spiced. Um, so the idea very much for that was it was always going to be an entry level um, yeah. example of what mead is or what people expect mead to be. And then as we go forward, I think the plan from our point of view will be to show what mead can be. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot, as you'll know, like the mead regulations and kind of, as I say, regulations, descriptions of, you know, different styles of mead are so open to be interpreted. Um, and like, oh, see oh, Sam, I'm still trying to get a, just a legal definition of mead in the UK. Yeah. That is my task for 2021. <laughs> so if you want to, you want to help me with that, I will be any help. Support, much, much appreciated. support as much as I can. I think the, I think the, the sooner we protect, the sooner we can grow. Uh, yeah, probably, I think that's true. Yeah, so I, mean, I think we, we had some meetings. Oh, I can't remember time. What is time anymore? Uh, it was years ago down at Lime Bay talking about trying to get to work towards a legal definition of mead. And it kind of broke down because everyone has got their own definitions and their own kind of yeah. feelings around yeah. it. I mean, I certainly think that we start with a reasonably, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, Sam, but a reasonably broad definition, which is over X percent of honey, of the fermentables need to come from honey. Whether that's 50, whether that's 60, I mean, we don't really care because it's all made from honey here, but just keeping it reasonably broad so that it kind of yeah, I can think, allow the industry to develop, I no, guess. I, I completely agree. I think... Um, from, so we, we we actually hosted, so the first meeting that you went to, the second one they hosted, we said, yeah, like, Lime is quite far, why don't you host it at ours and, you know, we'll, you know, we're kind of a... a, a, a neutral venue. Yeah, we were neutral to everything, so we were included in the meetings, um, we gave our opinion as, you know, at the time we were one of the, we were buying a lot of mead from, from most of the people in the room, so we were like, yeah. you know... It's a good excuse for one us to get all these people we buy off to come see what we're doing, and two, um, like you said, we're way more central in Birmingham than uh, than Devon. Um, so I completely agree, though. I think um, I think from the the scepticisms that I've seen over the time of tends to be that people don't want to overregulate, so they can't have their freedom. Um, and I don't think that mead needs that. Like I think uh, the markets around the world have shown that, especially the American market, they're fairly fairly you know loose regulations um i think they've shown exactly how it can grow and there's so much scope for continuous growth and changes even within you know a, quite a, a loose description but i think the key thing is to get it described so that it stops people sifting anything out that's honey flavored and calling it mead um so yeah. that we get a protection on for one the people that are producing great quality stuff but also um as the category moves forward to stop you know you know, uh, interpretations of, of me that are far away from the truth. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two reasons, Sam. That's, that's, that's the first reason. That's a really good one. The second one is so we can get a decent duty rate for mead, a different duty rate for mead. Absolutely. Um, that's was, my dream. I, I was chatting to a friend the other day who owns a distillery who's been helping us with, with our setup and stuff. Uh, and he just mentioned to me that he'd started to make mead. And I was like, okay. And then uh, I visited him a, a couple of weeks after that. And he, he literally said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make any of those. Like, I can't seem to understand the the the, VA, the, um, the duty. And when, yeah. I, when I explained how it is, and he just went, oh, that's rubbish. Like, yeah. so, so it is It is unfortunate. Yeah, it's something that the sooner we you know, work towards, then the, the bigger we can grow as, a, as an industry. No, I think that's, that's fair. Look, Sam, we try and normally try and keep this around 40 minutes. So I've got a few more, one or two more questions, if that's all right. Yeah, sure, yeah. So like, just to finish up, like, what, what do you think about mead from the States and around the world? Like, how do you, what's your favourite mead that you've had from outside the UK? 
if I'm not putting you on the spot. How do you sort of see that? Because that, I've been to the US quite a lot and that the media industry in the US is, is quite different to what we've got here. It's a lot bigger, yeah, a lot yeah. more vibrant. It's exciting, but very different. So my answer's really crap to this. I'm really sorry. So I don't... That's actually, all right, Sam. My favourite media I ever had, I don't actually know fully what it was. All I know is that it was a heavily fruited mead from Superstition Meadery. Uh, uh, it's, not, it's not berry white, is it? I don't know. Um, I, I think from what I remember, it was a limited edition that they did. And the, it, was yeah. a, it was a friend of our bars who just brought it in. They said they'd had it for a couple of years and they never knew what to do with it. So they never opened it. So they brought it to me and just said, can we open it with you? And I was, yeah. like, I was like, well, that's a lot of pressure because I don't know what it is either. And, um, we tried it. I spoke a little bit to them about like American meads. And, but because the, um, the label was a bit scuffed on it, I couldn't really discern fully what it was. Uh, I just remember yeah. it being heavily fruited and, and absolutely delicious. Um, so that was probably yeah. One of I had a few of, this, few of their ones at the Beaver Town Extravaganza. Um, I mean, I had more than a few, and they were delicious <laughs> on draft. Um, they were all like eighteen percent, though, if I remember rightly. They were they were toppy. Yeah, a bit stronger than what we do. Yeah. Um, anything else from around the world? I mean, I, you, you obviously drink a lot of mead normally. Anything else you can recommend? Trying to get your hands on? Um, I tried some in, I think it was called the Royal Canada Mead Company when I was out in Canada. Um, that ah. was really interesting. So it was a I have of heard of them, actually. they like Ontario way, or have I got that wrong? Uh, I think so. So I was in Toronto. So, yeah, similar area. Yeah. It's that area. So, so yeah. That was they, just a guess, yeah. given it's the biggest province. I was just like, <laughs> probably uh, Ontario. So that was really interesting. So um, similar to Boozy Bees, they use buckwheat honey, but Boozy Bees is quite you know, indulgent and, and big and bold, whereas this was more uh, similar to yours, where it was quite, it was, it was a lighter um, finish, but it had uh, this really overarching, like, um, buckwheat flavour. So that was really interesting, something I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, and then I think um, there's a couple that, I've actually got a couple sat at my home, Polish meads from a couple friends who have travelled out to Poland, like, in the past year or so, and every time they now, they bring me one back, but... I am waiting for the right time to sit down and open them, but I'm really excited for them. Yeah, our head brewer brought some mead back from Poland from, I think it was his girlfriend's father or grandfather, and that was delicious. It was so much honey in it. It was so sweet. But it, you know what, it, it's, it's sweet, but just right. You know, it actually yeah. works. It's supposed yeah. to be cloying. Uh, it was phenomenal. It was obviously something he just made himself. <laughs> uh, and yeah, trying to recreate something like that would be pretty cool. Um, so Sam, thanks a lot for your time. Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything you, anything you want to plug before I let you go? No, I guess just if anybody's in Birmingham, please do pop by. So uh, we've got the Pineapple Club Cocktail Bar in Meadery, which is now our, uh, sorry, Pineapple Club Cocktail Bar. Um, and downstairs we have our craft beer and mead, kind of like a retail store. So we've got a massive selection of mead. We also do um, tons of local honeys and some, a lot. we try to also buy honeys from the producers. So we stock all of Affenmel's honeys. We've got some of Y Valley's. Um, so that it kind of gives a better context of you've got the what it was and what it kind of now is. Um, uh, it's such a powerful story to be able to give someone a spoonful of honey and then a drink that's made out of it. It really just unlocks the whole thing for us. Yeah, I think um, it, it's something. So I've just wrote a book on vermouth um, separate to, to mead. Uh, I have a massive passion for vermouth. Um, I've just wrote a book that's coming out next month. Um, and one of the best examples I had in that book is uh, there's a vermouth company who sell 
their wine and their final products uh, as a vermouth and trying the two next to each other it's just it's just a experience you can't it it gives such an understanding to what's gone on yeah uh, and i think it's the exact same for especially when you're using like um really like uh flavored honeys as well so you can taste the wrong ingredient and the end and just really see how that flavor travels through i think it's something that we don't do enough of um and yeah i i really enjoy it so we sell both some of the honeys that are used in in the meads as well as um just a collection of really great honeys from around the the uk that i really like and um make sure that what we buy is real and i know who it is and we trust them and yeah that, that, that sounds good well sam thanks so much for your time really appreciate it no um, worries i appreciate yeah, it yeah really interesting chatting to you perfect man thank you very much i'll speak to you soon yeah speak to you soon take care this is where i normally turn to will and say wasn't that interesting but i'm gonna have to just have to do it to myself um so yeah so thanks again to sam for for all his uh all his help uh, and answering some questions and if you want to buy some mead if you jump online the mead boutique i believe is still going uh and you can get our stuff you can get all stuff i think it's probably the best range of mead in the uk um so lots of stuff if you like our stuff it's cool kind of cool to explore the category and see what else is out there um there's a lot of lot of really exciting stuff happening in mead and that's that's just really exciting and Obviously, the guys from Y Valley, got to get involved with some of them. Sam mentioned Boozy Bees. I haven't managed to get any of their stuff recently, but but again, lots of little local producers sort of starting up. Uh, it's just a really exciting time for the industry. So if you like our stuff, try someone else's, because you'll probably enjoy that too. Um, anyway, it's Friday. Um, I've got a, got a bit of warm work to do, so I'm going to leave it there. But thanks very much for your time, guys, and I'll speak to you again next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. So hit the subscribe and like button and follow us on all our social media and we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about mead and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at gosnels.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram live at five. Ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and uh, look like we know what we've talked about. Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on over to the website at www.gosmond.co.uk.